So you have a task on your hands. Uh, you are uh, switching insurance carriers, and your new insurance company wants a list of all the real property and personal property that you possess. Obviously, real property is property that can't be moved. Personal property is property that can be moved. So examples of real property would be uh, uh, your home. Uh, the land itself. Uh, examples of personal property would be a car, would be things that are in your house. The, the dicey point is, is when you have a car that's become real property. <laughs> it's been sitting on blocks, there's trees growing up through the middle of it. Then, then it's kind of like, is it real property? Is it personal? At any rate, you have to make a list of the things that you have. So let's do it this morning. Okay, on the back of this, flip it over, and um, you can use the Bibles. Um, like that, just, there's pens in front of you. I'm serious. <laughs> this sheet of paper, flip it over. It's blank on the back. Grab a Bible. Okay, we're going to make a list of the stuff that you own, okay, and the stuff that I own, okay? So in my case, I would have a 2006 Chevy pickup truck. I would have a 2004 uh, Honda CRV. I would have a 2008 um, XC70. Okay, and then what else do I have? Okay, I have a Ranger, um, which oddly enough is probably more valuable than the pre three things that were just listed. Then an Xmark mower. I love my Xmark mower. Just highly recommend the, the investment. It's a 30-inch walk-behind and uh, self-propelled, and it just, it's like doable. It's just absolutely, I mean, at any rate, enough of that. Okay, then the Echo string trimmer. Okay, this one's really old. Some of you may have a weed whacker, and that would be indicative of the fact that you don't take care of your lawn. <laughs> if you take care of your lawn, it's a string trimmer. If you don't take care of your lawn, it's a weed whacker, okay? Then we have a couple chainsaws, actually three of them, one of which was my dad's, and then we have the power things, um, so a power miter saw. Are you writing your list down? Because this is important. Because how else will your insurance agent know what you want to cover? Okay, then we have uh, inside stuff, stove, dishwasher, okay, we have um, um, plates and flatware, and we have um, servingware, and we have a microwave, okay, and then we have um, coats and shoes and socks. Men's hosiery is, is highly overrated but, but, and often overlooked, but, but incredibly important. Underwear, workout gear, um, we have um, a bike, well, actually more than bike, one bike. Um, the best number of bikes to possess, X plus one. The number you have plus one more. Lamps, pictures, paintings, rugs. You get the idea, right? And then we don't, we're not even at the waterfront yet. And, and we have docks and lifts and pontoons and boats. And have you ever noticed that the more you own, the more time it seems like you think about the things that you own and the more space they occupy in your brain? We'll come back to that thought in a little bit. Romans uh, chapter 13 um, verse 8, it's like a two-for-one, actually verse 5, it's like a two-for-one, two on the same. So this week and next week, we're going to look at the same set of verses, and um, I'll take the easy part and leave Tom to do the hard part. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Okay, be in subjection. Okay, it's kind of like what we discovered last week, be subject to, okay, and it's a word that we are not comfortable with at all. Let's just be honest. We like to be the ones giving the orders. We don't like to be the ones taking the orders. 
we like to believe that we determine our own destiny. We're not beholden to someone else's pleasure or view. But here again, we find this command to be subject to subjection, subject to. In essence, saying, I will follow the rules, your rules. And the primary reason why we want to do this, and there's a whole bunch of good ones, okay, but the primary reason is not to avoid God's wrath. We miss this one, okay? And we often think of God's grace and all of the good stuff that he does for us. And because God does so much good stuff for us, we should be compelled to, to be in this relationship. And, and I, man, that is where I live and where I want to live. At the same token, the text says, we follow the rules to avoid God's wrath. And we can't eliminate the reality that the biblical authors time and time and time again describe God as gracious without question, but also use this word to describe God. And often the biblical writers will say, fear God. And by that, they to some degree mean reverential fear. I completely agree. But in other ways, they mean, no, fear God, be afraid. Be afraid of the wrath of God. It should be a compelling aspect of our life. Not that we have to live in fear or live in fear of the wrath of God, but we should not divorce ourselves from the reality that the wrath of God is there and is real and is inescapable for those who incur his wrath. And so we should do what we can do to avoid the wrath of God be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Avoiding the conscience-searing reality of disobedience. If you've ever felt that, you know what it's like. You know when you've done something wrong, and you look over your shoulder, and you know you've done something wrong. And it eats away at you. And as intense as that is, at least it's still eating away at you. The point at which any of us get to the point where we shake our fist at a holy God and say, no, thank you, and don't feel any remorse for that, that is an ugly life position to find oneself in. Another way of looking at it is, don't you want to be at peace? Don't I want to be at peace? And not trying to medicate my peace through chemicals or stuff, but embracing lasting peace that is discovered in following the commands of God. So in keeping with that line of thought, pay your taxes. <laughs> That's what it says. For because of this, you also pay taxes. I love last week and this week. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. We love paying taxes. Actually, most of you don't. 
Intriguingly, I, I've just discovered that the people who complain most often about paying taxes are the people who are most able financially to actually pay taxes. I would offer that if you want to distinguish yourself as a follower of Christ, the next time that you're in a tax discussion, say, I like paying my taxes. Why would you say that? I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Try it on. <laughs> Seriously. I'm really, really, really tired of people complaining about paying their taxes. I know, okay, because of my background, there are some rare instances, okay, rare instances where you have to pay taxes on money that you have not earned or do not have in hand. I know that there are rare instances like that. But by far the majority of the time when you're paying taxes, it's on money that you've earned. I like to pay my taxes. I like the fact that I have fire and police and medical that respond with a simple 911 call. I, I like the fact that there are people who are paid to do the things that I am unable or unwilling or incapable of doing. And that same list comes to mind. I don't want to knock on a door responding to a domestic disturbance, not knowing what's on the other side of the door. I, I don't want to do that. I pay my taxes so that professionals, some of whom are my friends who sit in this room, will do that. I like the fact that I drive on roads, although I do hate tolls in other states. Because <laughs> here's my point of view on this one, okay? And I know it's a little inconsistent, but we're all inconsistent, right? My point of view is I pay taxes so that when you come to my state, you can drive on my roads, our roads for free. So why should I have to pay for your roads that you drive on most of the time? Hashtag Illinois, the Chicago metro area. <laughs> I like to cross rivers in a mostly predictable manner. And I like the fact that I really don't worry about being safe. I know there's extreme examples. I know there's bad things that happen. But really, I conduct life and business and commerce and do what I do under this cloak of security that is afforded to me because I'm a citizen of the United States of America and I pay my taxes. But please understand, Paul is not making the argument from what I get Paul's not saying you get a bunch of good stuff from paying taxes, so therefore pay your taxes. That's not the argument that he's making. He's making the argument that I would pay my taxes out of loyalty to God. And all of a sudden, the argument, at least for the follower of Christ, has an entirely different perspective on it. And do I think there are exceptions? Yeah, I think there are exceptions. There's exceptions to everything. And without repeating what we talked about last week, we can talk about, but by far, the majority of the time, the words that are written here are in play. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going to pay your taxes. because it's what God invites us to do. Because I am loyal to God, 
I want to be subject to the governing authorities. But taxes are just the ante-in on the discussion. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Now, does this mean we shouldn't drive a hard bargain to get good value for the money we're exchanging for a good or service? No, I think it's perfectly fair and acceptable to say, hey, is this your best price? But maybe when we use our position and we strong-arm something and strong-arm someone into doing something that they normally wouldn't do because we have power over them, we're not giving them good money for the good or service that they're giving to us. Paul just says, if, if revenue is due someone, pay the revenue. And then respect to whom respect is owed and honor to whom honor is owed. And we all of a sudden have this reality of the value that we bring to the table. What, what do any of us bring to the table? Paul starts with this tax liability that must be understood and acted upon, but then moves quickly into this kind of, I, I mean, honestly, if, if you didn't think something different was going on, you'd almost think there's a little bit of Rousseau here, you know, a little bit of social contract. What's going on here exactly? I'm, I'm supposed to pay revenue. I'm supposed to pay respect. I'm supposed to pay honor to whom these things are due. A sort of escalation from a flat-out obligation to an intentional choice of exchanging. A voluntary choice of saying, I will respect and I will honor and I will pay for the things And there are no qualifiers here. It doesn't say you should only respect the old or the young. And even all of that is just really prelude to this bomb that Paul drops. We're supposed to have a debt that isn't a liability. Verse 8, owe no one anything. Now, most of us would be comfortable with that, right? I owe no man anything. I don't want to owe any person anything. I want to be debt-free, whatever you might want to say. Except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Owing something that is not a liability. Which is different than owning something with a liability. And I'm sure all of us have been in situations where we owned something that had a substantial liability to it. And perhaps we learned a lesson to not put ourselves in that position again. I'm not arguing here for reasonable debt or against reasonable debt, rather. I'm not arguing against reasonable debt. I'm not arguing against a mortgage on a home. Okay, that's not my argument. My argument is that we are to owe nothing except to love each other. And when we love each other, we fulfill the law. When we do this, we make good the work of God in our lives. So I owe you love. And you owe me love. And it's important to keep those sentences in the way that they are written. I owe you love. 
the difficulty is we often will go to a situation and we say, you owe me something. That's not what the text says. The text argues that we go into a situation saying, I owe you something without any thought of what I get in return. That there seems to be this commodity in God's economy of things that is almost, well, for the follower of Christ, almost never-ending. I say almost because I, I wrestle with it myself. Because if I'm going to love you, I want something in return. I, I want to get something back. I want to get love back. I want to get something back. But, but that's not what Paul's suggesting. Th th this is proactive. This is ongoing. This is forward-thinking. Not the pursuit of what I want, but the pursuit of what I can give. And again, this commodity, this love commodity, for, for which we, we cannot exhaust the supply. I mean, any of us, think about the wealth that you have. Think about the wealth that I have, okay? Any of us, irrespective of the wealth that we have, We'll run out of wealth. Our, our wealth is finite. Our wealth is, is limited. The, the things that we possess are, are not inexhaustible. We can be incredibly generous with all of the things that we possess and still eventually run out. But Paul seems to argue that we are continually to owe Love. No limits. Just new high water marks. It invites some thought about what do we love. There was an article this last week. Um, it was I first saw it in the Star Tribune, but it was actually in the Washington Post. It was uh, a young woman by the name of uh, Devereaux Peters. She played for the Lynx for a couple different years. Um, she uh, won two championships with the Lynx. Um, again, we've said it before. If you want to be a champion in Minnesota, it's good to be a woman. At any rate, she's 6'2", she's an athlete, and she'll have individuals who will, you know, notice her. So she writes, a few weeks ago as I was walking down the street to my car, a man stopped me to begin a conversation about my height. Here we go, I thought. He asked me the usual questions, prodding me about my basketball career, and then there it was. Let's play one-on-one. -on -one. I bet I could beat you. She said it was far from the first time. I'm a tall woman, 6'2", and almost everywhere I go, people notice me. Do you play basketball? When they find out that I'm a professional player, some are just impressed and want them to know more. But most of the men I talk to ask me to play one-on-one. -on -one. And then she goes on to talk about how these guys who are like rock stars in their 25 and up league in the local YMCA think they can beat a professional athlete. And when they're losing, they get super chippy and throwing elbows and hard fouls and all this stuff. And she's like, enough of this. What is it? Well, why do you guys love that so much? Why do we love to be in competition? Why do we size each other? We love that. 
I'm stronger than you. I'm faster than you. We evaluate ourselves by what we can lift or how we perceive we would do in a bar fight. It sounds silly, but it's true. We love the competition. And for some of us are like, oh, no, no, I'm not competitive in that respect. No, but you love the competition in the business world. And it's not bad being a successful business person. But when that's the thing that you loved... Paul argues that we owe love. We should owe love continually, that it is a debt that is never satisfied, a debt that is never repaid. We continually, eternally owe love. And I have to admit, I have so much to learn on this one. But the text is there, and it challenges us. So that list of stuff that we have. The list of stuff that we have, that we ensure, that we take good care of, that we maintain, or some of us not so much. All the stuff that we own for which we define our lives. And Paul says the list doesn't matter. What matters is what we owe. Love. Please pray with me. In the quietness of the moment, I allow, or rather, I ask you to allow the Spirit to do the Spirit's work in your life. Perhaps you need help defining this concept of love. Perhaps you need help understanding the debt that we are to owe. Wherever you're at, cry out to a holy God and simply say, I need help doing this thing called love.